everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. Today is a very special episode, and we are going to do things a little bit different. I'm not going to read a ton of ads, because I think this episode is, is very powerful, and you'll, uh, you'll see why here in a few minutes. So just real quick, as always, Season 2 of the Nothing Owed Podcast is brought to you by Modus Nation, so please check them out. You know they have awesome stuff. You know you need some shirts. Please check out ModusNation.com. Use our promo code NOTHINGOWED for a special discount. And with that, let's get into the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Over Podcast. As always, we're back with another amazing episode with an awesome guest. Um, today we have Michael Munoz from Battleborn Designs. Michael's an awesome dude. Um, he's had some really incredible life experiences that I know a lot of you will be able to relate to. And not only that, he is an entrepreneur and started uh, his own business. So. It's going to be a great story, uh, be a great episode. I know you're going to like it. But as always, before we turn it over to Michael, we'll say hi to Ben, check in with him, see how things are going. So Ben, how you been? What's new? Nothing new. Uh, you know, it's been a hectic couple weeks, um, you know, with the whole world stage, Afghanistan, you know, you know, because my son is in the, uh, the army, you know, we're keeping an eye on that and just, yeah praying for those soldiers, praying for the families that, uh, have lost, uh, a Marine or soldier or a seaman, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, praying for those people over there that are stuck. Um, especially the Afghan nationals that helped us out, risked, risked everything in their lives to help Americans and try to get some sort of, uh, life there in Afghanistan you know, a little bit more freedom and, and human right based versus what the Taliban is offering. So that's been crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, things are good. Family's healthy. Can't complain. So, uh, I'm excited about this episode today. Michael has a, just an amazing inspirational story. Um, so can't wait to get into it. He's a good dude, uh, lives here in Las Vegas. Um, so he's, it's going to be a good one. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So with that intro, Michael, it's your turn. How you doing? Can you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, kind of where you grew up, where you're born, all that good stuff. And then, uh, we'll get into the, uh, the real meteor story. So yeah, Michael, how you doing? <laughs> doing good, man. Thank you guys for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, definitely first time for the podcast. So getting a little experience here. Uh, but yeah, came in from uh, from San Antonio, Texas. Live in Vegas now. Been out here since uh, 2006. Uh, came out here basically. I was in culinary. Uh, I started cooking when I was 16. I should say started washing dishes when I was 16 years old, and just been doing that for about 16 years. Got out of that here in Vegas when I was 32, and uh, that's kind of when I was faced with my really tough decision on or choices basically on how to get out of culinary and what to transition into. Okay. Well, um, hold on, hold on. Stop for a second. So every Texas guest we have on <laughs> speaking of culinary, what, <laughs> what, what's your favorite Kalachi? <sighs> I know you probably don't eat Kalachis anymore, not, but yeah, as but, I say, not too much there, but uh, it's been a while since I actually had some. So 
Dude, so <laughs> I was just at, there's a new Texas bar. For our, our listeners, you may not know this, but our listeners know that I love kolaches. Mm-hmm. We've gone down a rabbit hole in like several episodes because of kolaches. But <laughs> the uh, there's a new Texas barbecue place here in Vegas. And we were eating there on Sunday night, sitting there talking to the owner. And he's from, he's from San Antonio. And I was telling him, same question. I'm like, bro. Like, dude, you can't get kolaches out here. And he goes, wait, man. He said, a friend of mine just opened up a donut shop down the street and they have Texas kolaches, but you got to get there before eight in the morning because they sell out. So this weekend I'm going to test Vegas made Texas kolaches. So very nice. Yeah. Like let me know how that goes. I will. I know. I, I know you don't eat that stuff anymore, but I will, <laughs> I will partake. There you go. Good one. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. So. So, so when you were cooking in kitchens and stuff, is that when, so you got way overweight, right? Like how much did you weigh? Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really start gaining weight until about, uh, until about 10 years ago. Okay. Um, it was something that, uh, I don't know if it was kind of triggered within the body itself, but yeah, it was just one of those moments where I noticed a weight gain. I went from, uh, probably about 235, somewhere around there, uh, to about 270, 280 and, reached the point basically i was i was actually trying to get into the military uh, at one point and uh got to a point where i was basically on the hydroxy cut you know you know all that good stuff trying to get down weight to make you know to get in for uh, recruitment and uh i got down to about 230 225 somewhere around there was my lowest weight um and i still wasn't able to meet the weight requirement for i was trying to go in the air force my dad's in the air force my grandfather's in the air force my brother's in the air force and it was just kind of follow that, you know, that family legacy. Um, wasn't able to get into that. And basically after that is, I don't know if it was something emotional or if something within the body itself, but it, the weight just started piling on. Uh, I got to a point like no matter what I would do, I couldn't get it off. I would, I would see, I would see a fast food sign driving, but you know, down the road and I would gain 10 pounds just from looking at that sign. Ah. Uh, so it was, it was, it was bad. Um, and that was something that, you know, I kind of like said, you know, dealt with for so long, just, you know, in the course being in the kitchen, you're, you're expected to uh, try everything, you know, you got to taste everything before it goes out kind of thing, you know, you got to make right. sure everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's something just personal within me uh, or what it was, but yeah, it was about 10 years ago now that it just kind of started piling on. I, I broke 300 pounds and just kind of kept going there, was on different uh, diet programs, different, you know, workout regime, you know, different workout uh, programs and whatnot. And it just would not kind of, it would not come off. Uh, basically. Can I, ask, can I ask you at that time, like, as far as your diet goes, like, were you, was your weakness um, more or less you're eating? <laughs> I, I, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. I apologize. No, it's, it's fine. Um, Cause yeah, I, I know where you're going. <laughs> I, uh, let me back up a second. I, I had a similar problem and I actually was quite overweight myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm asking more for personal reference because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm everything you're saying sounds real familiar. So please, <laughs> please yeah, I'm, no worries. I mean, I was in the same boat. Um, but was it were you eating um, fast food or like junk food, or was it more or less you were just and uh, we, eating too much? Uh, no, I'd say uh, I want to say towards the end there. Uh, I don't know because I had surgery in 2018. Okay. Um, I ended up doing uh, bariatric surgery. I had the vertical sleep gastrectomy done. And um, so right around, I don't know, 2012, somewhere around that, after 2009, basically, I was on a 
uh, basically a high protein diet. Okay. And uh, so I was trying to figure out a way to kind of get the carbs out of there and whatnot. I was basically eating like a, like an athlete, if you will. Okay. Um, and no matter what I would put in, my body was starting to uh, retain the sugars and everything from whatever it was I was eating, the fats and whatnot. And it wasn't burning that. It wasn't processing that. Um, we ended up finding out that there was a, I don't know, like a, I don't know if a malfunction or dysfunction within the stomach itself, uh, where the body was not breaking down those parts of the, you know, of the food products and whatnot. It was actually retaining and just kind of holding on to all that. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I was gonna say towards the end there, I was, I mean, I worked in steakhouses and stuff like that. So, you know, ribeyes and, yeah. you know, fillets and seafood and whatnot kind of thing. Um, you know, I know that's one thing when, when you, when you talk to somebody, I, my, my highest weight, I was at 465 pounds wow. and it was, uh, you talk to somebody like that and you kind of think of, you know, Hey, just put the fork down, you know, or right. quit eating cake and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it's like, that's not the case. Um, my, as Ben mentioned, you know, I don't, I'm not, he doesn't, I know he doesn't really know, but I, I've never been a sweets person, you know, to mm -hmm. sit there and delve on candy. I do candy now, which is kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've never been like a sweets person, birthday cake, you know, cakes or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, even, even when it came time for birthday cakes, my mom would always ask, you know, what do you want for your birthday cake? And, uh, whatever you guys want to eat, you know, cause I don't eat it. And, um, that was just one of those things where, you know, the body itself just kind of stopped functioning normally. And so it was, it, a, kind it of, was a medical, I mean, it, I don't know if you ever got a real diagnosis for a yeah, word for it, but, but it, it was a medical thing. You had, you had some sort of digestive issue. It wasn't necessarily, yeah. wasn't necessarily your diet in particular. You were trying to lose weight, but it yeah. just wasn't working. Yeah. Now don't get me wrong. I mean, we would do fast food. Like I said, we'd, we'd get off work, uh, you know, late at night, probably about two o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there. We hit the bar, you know, doing a lot of drinking and whatnot. And then of course you get, you know, get those late night, um, you know, feast in there get a couple hours of sleep wake up in the morning and you know go right back yeah. to your shift and kind of thing kind of you know whatnot so uh but yeah eventually it got to a point where we were able to die uh forgot what the actual term is but it's basically the body the stomach itself would not digest and process the foods the way it should be and it just basically retained 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 um i ended up gaining i think about uh, i want to say like 100 pounds or so 150 pounds or so like within like two years. Ugh. And yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, it gets to the point where it's like, like you, you start bumping into things because <laughs> you, you know, you, you get so big and it's like, it's, it happens so quickly. Like, you know, there's no time for you kind of like to adjust mentally or just physically either, you know, uh, went from a, a 42 inch waist to like a 76 inch waist, like almost like, for me, it seemed, you know, very rapidly. Um, well, yeah, that's got that's got to put massive pressure on your heart and your lungs yeah, right exactly and that's uh that's something you know I, I think we'll touch into that a little bit later as well too but that's something that i do with uh now um after doing the transition and the surgery and whatnot as well too so um but yeah i ended up getting to a point where my doctors gave me a uh, i think it's about 20 2016 around there is when they gave me a five-year expiration date as i like to call it uh, by the time you're 40, you're probably, your heart's probably going to explode. You're going to have a massive heart attack, blah, blah, blah. You keep going the way you're going. You're borderline diabetic. Um, you know, just the cholesterol, everything in there. It's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, we got to do something. Wow. And that's what kind of, you know, led me to make the decisions that I made 
So, so tell our listeners exactly what um, bariatric surgery entails. Cause uh, I know that doctors don't do that very lightly. I, I know it's a very dangerous surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I used to, I own an insurance agency used to do a ton of medical malpractice and it's actually most of the medical malpractice carriers in the country won't do, won't cover a bariatric surgeon just mm-hmm. because that's, there's so many things that go wrong. Yeah. Um, and so they won't, they won't insure a doctor that does it. So t- tell the listeners kind of what it entails. Like, what does that mean? So bariatric surgery, there's, there's actually two different types of uh, bariatric surgery. One of them is the gastric bypass and that's basically where they'll take like the top 30% of your stomach and they'll kind of cut that out there. So we have like a little, basically like a pouch and they kind of reference it the size of like a folding cell phone. And that's the new size of your stomach. The bypass portion comes in where they take, I think it's your lower intestines, whatever one comes from the digestive system down there, they'll take that and they'll bypass your stomach altogether and they'll reattach it to that new little pouch up there on the top. And that's the uh, gastric bypass. That one there is a lot more intrusive. Um, And then you have the second version, which is the vertical sleeve gastrectomy, which is basically, uh, I have, so I still have my stomach. Everything still functions normally. It's just that at this point, they cut out about 70% of your stomach. And you're left with a, basically, they they call it a banana sleeve. So it's basically your stomach is now about the size of a banana. And it still functions normally and everything like that. It's just a lot smaller, a lot more restrictive as far as how much food you can take in. Um, and that's the one that I opted for because I felt the bypass was just a little too intrusive for me. Uh, trying to have, you know, organs re, you know, bypass and readjust and everything like that. I just felt it was a little too much it, for me. Uh, and also due to my, my, my situation that I had, it, it was, it was more called for to have the actual portion of the stomach removed, which was actually the troublesome part of the stomach. So they, when they did your surgery, I just want to be clear. They, they took out the portion of the stomach that actually wasn't functioning properly. Yeah. So the, with, within that 70%. So basically you're, you're left with the, the stomach that's like with here within the digestive lining itself, right. uh, that you're left with that portion and the rest of that portion, like they say roughly about 70% of it is actually removed from your body altogether. Uh, so they cut your stomach down. They actually staple you back up with titanium staples, you know, cut, you know, put everything back, you know, how kind of how it was. And then they remove that portion of the stomach. And once that wow. portion of the stomach came off, uh, that's where immediate, immediate changes came across. And um, and I now I'm at where I'm at today. So I'm, I'm six foot and I'm about one about one ninety four right now okay. uh, down from the four sixty five. And, uh, you know, incredible. so it, it, yeah, it helped out tremendously i mean you talk about like a, a almost almost like an overnight change within the body and that's what, what that's where the, that came what, out and what was the time frame again so when did you have the surgery and now you're down to 195 which is a totally reasonable weight i mean that's incredible yeah i mean i'm six foot you know i mean uh, i'm a nice you know, like i said i'm a, you know, I'm a nice build kind of thing as well too i kind of like where i'm at right now i don't want to get too i'm trying to prevent myself from getting too skinny right um you know kind of thing so i like where i'm at right now but uh so i had surgery on august 23rd of 2018 and uh, I was released from the hospital on September 8th of 2018. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so from August 23rd through August 31st, I was actually in a medically induced coma. Um, my surgery process that took place um, 
it's supposed to be about a 45 minute, like, you know, it's an elective surgery. And to kind of go back to what Ben was talking about as far as the requirements. So you have to have comorbidities. Um, you have to have a lot of things going wrong with you. You have to have a BMI over 38, I believe it is, um, you know, just to be able to get approved if you're going to go through the insurance route. You can pay for it out of pocket if you want to. Uh, fortunately for me, I met, fortunately, unfortunately, I met all the requirements for it and was able to get covered by insurance, um, you know, basically just because mine was life-threatening. I had severe obstructive sleep apnea where I would stop breathing 197 times an hour uh, per hour of sleep. So you're talking wow. about stop breathing anywhere from 10 to 45 seconds, if not more, um, basically every 33 seconds per hour of sleep. Uh, so that's that's another thing too, you know, that that stress on the body plus the weight and everything like that. I mean, it was, it was getting bad. I was on a CPAP machine as well. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like 36 years old, 37 years old. And I'm on a CPAP machine and everything like that having to, you know, kind of keep me alive trying to, you know, at the nighttime. Um, and that's, that's a scary situation there too. Sleep apnea. That's uh, you know, they call it the silent killer. And I've, I've experienced that several times waking up in the middle of the night, choking, not being able to breathe. You can't get breath out. You can't get air in. And I mean, on the ground in front of my fiance, basically choking to death. Uh, and you wake up like that. And that's, that's what's crazy. And unfortunately for me, I always woke up and it happened about two or three times. Um, but that right there alone was like, a, you know, it's a scary factor because you can go to sleep and you can never wake up, you know, and you never know what happened or, you know, whatnot. So kind of thing. Um, so I had that with the, with the BMI. Um, I think my BMI was at 48, 49, somewhere around there, which is, which is massive. And, uh, but yeah, so I, all those core comorbidities led up to that. I was borderline diabetic as, as well, as I said, um, but coming to the surgery part of it, and this is something that I tell everybody, I have a channel, a uh, YouTube channel as well, too. Uh, it was called life after VSG, where I focus more on the surgery part of it. Um, kind of, a, you know, share my experience, uh, share what I did to lose the weight and how I lost weight so quickly. And we'll touch on that here in a second. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I have a channel there as well, too. Now it's called This Joyful Life, uh, which is going to focus more on my life afterwards, after the surgery, you know, kind of get away from the, the surgery aspect of it. Um, but, you know, I tell a lot of people that just because I literally almost died from an elective surgery that was supposed to take 45 minutes, one night in the hospital for recovery, home the next day, uh, that didn't happen to me. Basically, I went in for surgery. They did the initial surgery. I came back out of surgery. And while I was in recovery, um, I only remember kind of waking up in recovery and feeling so much pain in my stomach, in my chest area. And it was so painful to the point where they ended up kind of putting me back to give me medication, put me back to sleep. Come to find out that I had internal bleeding somewhere. Uh, they went back into my body, I think about six times total to try to find the internal bleeding going on. Uh, my body ended up developing a blood clot. My doctor said the blood clot was bigger than the size of my fist uh, in the abdomen area there. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So after, after that happened, that's kind of where for me, everything took a turn for the worse. Um, I ended up having uh, hyperkalemia, which is where my body was producing uh, potassium and over an overabundance of potassium. And it was, uh, it led me to, I think it's five stages, all five stages of kidney failure, all the way down to end stage kidney failure to where they had to, you know, 
my mom, my fiance were there. They had to pull my mom aside. You know, she has, I guess she was the one that had to make the decision at that point, her, her and my dad. Uh, we need to do emergency hemodialysis right now. Uh, and that's going to save his life or try to save his life at least. And that's at the point where, so this, this all happened on August 23rd uh, within that recovery period. Uh, August 24th, somewhere around midnight, one o'clock in the morning is when they, they put me into a, a medically induced coma, ran the emergency hemodialysis, all that good stuff there. Um, I'm not sure what they did because I didn't wake up again until August 31st, uh, around like 3.30, somewhere around there in the afternoon. Um, and that was, for me, my experience that I had for that seven days was something that I just, I, I would never forget. You know, that was, was probably one of the best experiences I had on, on, a, on a religious aspect. Um, but yeah, so it was basically my body started shutting down. I was, I had a machine breathing for me. I could no longer breathe for myself. Uh, I had dialysis machines hooked up to me, pumping blood. I think they ended up putting, uh, three cycles of blood through my body. Um, like I said, with all the kidney failure as well too, and everything, and plus the blood clotting, you know, the internal bleeding and whatnot. Basically, at that point, my body was uh, shutting down. I was about to die. And was there, uh, what was the cause of all? I mean, I know you had the surgery, but was there something specific to the surgery that caused it, or was it just your body's reaction to that? I think it's just a, the way the body reacted. Um, like I said, I try to tell everybody that just because I went through this doesn't mean you're going to go through it. I tell everybody every single day. Uh, you know, I still get people that message me asking about the surgery and want to get some, uh, and, and, you know, advice or, you know, just a little bit of knowledge about it as well too. And, you know, just because I went through that doesn't mean everybody's going to go through that. My doctor said I was a, a very rare case. Uh, so I don't know if it's just the way my body handled it and, or what, uh, I truly believe that I went through it because I was supposed to go through that. I know it sounds kind of weird and kind of harsh or whatnot, but I feel that I was meant to experience what I went, what I went through. And that's something that I, uh, you know, I don't hold against the doctors. I, I consider, I went through Desert Springs here in Las Vegas for my surgery. I uh, went to Surgical Weight Control Center here. And, you know, I call those doctors and those those nurses and everything, that that staff over there, my angels. Because, you know, they kept, they were able to keep me alive, you know, kind of, you know, while I was going through what I was going through. So, right. but yeah, it's just a. Did you have the kids? Did you have the kids yet? Yeah, so both of my kids were there. Uh, they weren't allowed in the hospital. I was down in, uh, at this point, I was in CCU, critical care. Um, so they weren't allowed in there. So that was kind of something where, you know, when my parents would come in to visit or Joyce, you know, she would come in and, you know, kind of do FaceTime with them and whatnot. But yeah, they spent time with uh, family, friends and kind of stuff like that. So just, you know, it was, it was, it was tough for them as well, you know, because last thing my daughter said before I went to surgery was, please, please come home. And I promised her, yes, baby girl, I'll be home. And that was wow. the last. That was the last time I saw her. Last thing I said to her until uh, I think I didn't. I didn't see them again until I think September second, September third, right around my birthday, um, when they were finally Dude, able to come back in. So your daughter's like the cutest little girl on the planet. <laughs> I can't imagine breaking her heart. Oh man, she she's she's the most compassionate person I've ever met in my life. I mean, that's 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 something that. Uh, I, I feel truly blessed to have her in my life and to have, you know, be able to call myself her dad, you know, so. 
Yeah. Wait till yeah, she, she sees. Awesome. Wait till she sees the unicorn Maduce T-shirt I did for. <laughs> I designed a whole T-shirt for her that we're trying to. We're getting it done. It's almost done. But that's awesome, man. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. yeah. She she said for the listeners out there, she was at my office the other day and she said, she goes, I want one of these T-shirts. She goes, I said, okay, well, you know, what do you want on it? She goes, uh, I want a unicorn. Like she rattles off like this whole design. I want a unicorn. I want my name on it. I want it to circle around my name, and I want it in this pink font and like oh it was so funny she's the cutest little girl on the planet but yeah she's she's awesome so Michaela's she's seven now and uh Jace is five so they you know of course they went through this uh three years ago now so she's about four four or five or four at the time and Jace would have been about two yeah right around two or three at that time so um but yeah it was it was tough for them you know to kind of go through that it was something where Again, you know, I was supposed to be home the next day, kind of thing. You know, yeah, yeah. they were supposed they were supposed to see me. I went to surgery. Uh, I got there at five thirty in the morning. I went into surgery at seven thirty. Uh, by nine o'clock, we were supposed to be, you know, meeting back up with family and in, in, in the recovery room, kind of, you know, that morning kind of thing. But yeah, that was just something that never happened. Um, so, I, do you do you want to talk about? I mean, I, I know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, this experience has really kind of defined your spiritual, yeah. <laughs> you know, your spiritual uh, outlook on life and, you know, your religious base. Do you want to talk about what happened while you were under yeah, or when uh, you came out? I mean, can you share yeah, that so, with us? Yeah, so I'll kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a, a backstory kind of leading up to this. So uh, right around 2016, 2017, I, I'm a Christian. And at at that point, I started feeling very lost. Um, I ended up getting to a point, again, right before surgery, getting to a point where I lost faith myself completely, 100%. Um, You know, there's, there's, I keep asking for help. I'm I'm crying out for you. I'm, 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 I'm screaming to the skies and nothing's happening, you know, kind of thing. And I just ended up getting lost and losing faith myself, which is why I say, I think I was meant to experience what I experienced here. And it was got to a point where it was, it was kind of weird. Like the year leading up to surgery, um, my, all four of my grandparents, my, my parents' parents are passed away. And uh, it was kind of weird, like leading up to surgery, because I kept having these very realistic, vivid dreams about my grandparents. And, you know, either they would talk to me in the dream or they wouldn't talk to me in the dream or I can, would be in the same room with them, sitting next to them kind of thing. And that was, it was just, it was, it, for me, that was a very uh, a weird occurrence because this this happened the entire le- a year leading up to surgery. Then I get to surgery and everything goes the way it goes, and uh, I ended up <laughs> my experience that I had. I ended up waking up in basically a uh, almost like a VR type of situation, like I was in the ocean. Uh, messing with sharks or whatnot kind of thing. And I went to kind of come out of the water and kind of came up on land. I went to take off my goggles and I was like in front of a computer uh, system there and you know, real fancy type of thing. And at that point, I, and this, this mind you, this is while I'm out. So this is, this is during my, my coma time. Um, at that point there, I ended up getting up from my desk. At least I think it was my desk and whatnot and kind of came out of a door and when I came out that door, I was, I was greeted with this, like, 
I don't know, just grand doorway kind of thing. It came out of a room basically and was greeted with another big grand doorway. And when I walked into that doorway, I kind of started looking around and, and everything, everything was pure white. Um, you had this really nice rotunda area there. And for those of you guys who are listening, I, I have, like I said, I have my videos and everything on my YouTube channel. You guys can go in there and you can get full detail on what, what I experienced. But when I opened this, this doorway to this new building, this new area that I was in, I was, I was in this rotunda, basically. And there was a centerpiece there in the middle of, I don't know if it was marble or what, but, um, and it was at this point where I knew something was going on. Um, I knew I was no longer in the hospital. I knew I was no longer at home or anything like that either. And what's kind of weird about it is I could, I could look down and I could feel myself, you know, I was looking at my hands and kind of feeling my face. Am I awake? Am I alive? And at that point I was still heavy. I was still heavy set. And, uh, the very next thing that happened to me was over this little stand marble kind of stand thing that was there in the middle, um, it wasn't like a TV or a screen or anything like that came out. It was just this projection of, of what I realized was my life. And it was supposed, it was showing me basically what my life was to become. I saw myself thin. I saw myself healthy. Uh, I saw myself with my family and, you know, excuse me if I get a little teary eyed here, but I saw myself with my family and just happy. I saw myself happy. And that's something that I haven't experienced, you know, at, to, to that point, you know, in, in a couple of years, you know, and, and yes, being a dad, um, you know, having a partner, you know, like I said, Joyce and everything like that, everything is there, but within myself, my, I was not happy. I wasn't happy with who I was and I wasn't happy with where I was. And seeing these images just, it, it really was a shock to me because again, I, I could look down and I could still see myself big. I could still, I could feel my belly and everything like that. And uh, just seeing these images, I realized that that was me. And I realized what I was being shown after, after I saw this vision um, or the showing of what my life was become, that kind of went away. And I was kind of left with the point of shock for what I just saw, what I just experienced at that point. And I started looking around trying to figure out what do I do next? where do I go next? And looked straight ahead down one of the hallways. And I saw these at the very end of the hallways, the double doors, and they just opened up, you know, they opened up out towards me. And, uh, and it was at that point, I was like, okay, well, I have, I don't know where else I'm going to go to. So let me go to this open door. And uh, as I walked into this, this room there, I noticed basically uh, kind of like a stage, almost like a platform. And as I walked in, again, everything's white, looked like marble, you know, kind of whatnot. Um, and I saw two steps leading up to that little top platform there. And, uh, you know, so I got into the middle there of the room, I was kind of looking around, and which was nice about this room was there really was no, there wasn't four walls. There was no solid definition of I'm in, I'm in a room, basically. And it was just like, it was almost like an infinite space of where I was. And uh, at that point, I had noticed that the back area of what would be the back wall behind the stage, if you want to call it that platform there, 
uh, was all open. And that opening back there was the most beautiful scenery that I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I mean, you talk about mountains, green trees, you know, you can see animals running around and everything like that. I eventually come to realize that I might have been looking at a version of Eden, if, if you will. And uh, as I was looking out there, just kind of in awe, kind of shock. Well, I was in awe and I was in shock. Confusion, trying to figure out where I was, what, I'm, what am I doing, what am I experiencing here, is at the same time when over to my right side, I noticed somebody walk into the room. And that person that walked into the room was my grandmother, Terry, my, my dad's mom. And uh, she was the one that I, I saw most of the time in my dreams. She was the one that would speak to me in my dreams. And uh, she was the one that would kind of give me the most advice as far as telling me prior to surgery, the messages that I would receive in my dream was that everything is going to be okay. You know, just, just to trust in her, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And that's, that's all I kept hearing in my dreams. Yeah. There was moments of laughter. There was moments of, you know, kind of us talking to each other and having dinner or whatnot, but every message that she gave me that whole year leading up to surgery was that everything was going to be fine. You know, it'd be okay. Just trust her. So when I saw her, you know, of course, the first thing I did was I had a, I had a holder. You know, I had to give her a big hug and I could feel her body. I could feel her body just as if, you know, if, if she was right in front of me uh, here on, you know, in reality. And uh, at that point, I just kind of broke down because I knew she, I knew she was, you know, she'd pass away. She's, she's not alive anymore, but here she is in front of me. I can feel her. I can, you know, I feel her blessing my forehead and everything like that. And I feel her giving my kiss on the cheek and whatnot. And, and at that point there, she just, again, the only thing that she said to me was, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be okay, mijo. And mijo, my son in Spanish, um, you know, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Just trust me kind of thing. And after she said what she said is when I kind of followed her as she walked across the stage and uh, which you say across the floor up onto the stage. Mm -hmm. And that's when I noticed they, they, I like to call it a golden throne. And it was just this beautiful chair right in the center of the stage. And on either side of this chair was two more chairs, basically. So as you had five total, one in the middle, two on each side. And as I started noticing this golden throne, she walked past it, got up and she went to her chair. Uh, to go take her seat and I noticed this this throne there and I just I mean you talk about the most beautiful piece of furniture you would ever see in your life uh the gold inlay was made out of wood uh when it's one thing I noticed it was hand it looked like hand carved wood and uh just kind of, kind of all the the gold inlay decorations and pearl and whatnot and everything like that and as I was admiring this chair the next person comes into the room and that's my other grandmother my mom's mom and same thing, you know, give your hug and everything's going to be fine. Please trust us. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be, you're going to be fine. And it was at that point when I just, I just lost it, you know, cause I'm starting to realize, you know, I'm seeing my grandfather, my grandmothers. Um, why am I seeing my grandmothers? And just the, the whole mind flip that I was going through was, was crazy. And, uh, you know, she, 
hugged me, blessed me, said what she had to say, went to go take her seat on, so my, my grandmother, my, my, my dad's dad, or my dad's mom sat on one side of the throne and she sat on the other side of the throne. Uh, after that, I was followed, uh, was followed in by my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, her, uh, my grandmother Santa's her husband, same thing, you know, glad to see you, mijo, you're going to be fine, please trust us, everything's going to be okay, said what he needed to say, and then the last one to come in was my dad's dad, and, uh, you know, same thing, you're going to be okay, you're going to be fine, and what's, what's, what's nice about this is my grandfather, every time I saw him in my dreams, I would, uh, I would hear him talking, but he was never talking to me. And so it was kind of nice to have him talk to me. And my, my, my dad's, my dad's dad uh, would never talk to me at all in the dreams. He would, would look at me, he would smile at me, but he would never talk to me. And I always thought that was kind of, you know, kind of weird. And, you know, as I said, that whole year leading up to, I, I kind of figured, I was trying to figure out why he wouldn't talk to me. Uh, so when he finally spoke to me and again, you know, it's, it's great. It's good to see you. You're going to be okay. Please trust us. Please, 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 please trust us. And I uh, said what he needed to say. We had our interaction. He went to go take his seat. So now you have my dad's parents on one side, my mom's parents on the other side of this throne. And uh, <laughs> it was at this point that I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go sit with my grandparents. You know, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go join them. And um, I think this chair in the middle is for me. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's the only other spot for me to sit at. You know, I look around and there's no other chairs anywhere. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go join them up there and go sit down with them. And as I approached the, the steps to walk up to the seat, um, that's, that's when something that I, 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 I still don't, I still can't comprehend. I believe it. Um, but it was at this point, I, right before I took the step up on that stair, everything turned white, I like this pure white, bright light. I mean, to the point where I couldn't even, I was closing my eyes so tight. I was trying to peek uh, at what was happening there. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out what was going on, but it was, it was just so bright, pure bright white light. And at that point I heard what I know to be the voice of God, uh, this loud, thunderous, dominating voice. I mean, you, you talk about feeling it in your soul, the vibrations and everything in your soul. And uh, it was at that point where he told me that that chair is not mine. I am not meant to sit there. And at that point, he also said some other things, you know, that there's some things that I'll, I hold still to this day personal that I don't really share with anybody else that were meant for me. Um, but one of the things that he was said that was said to me through this voice, which I, I truly believe was the voice of God, um, was to never shave my beard, never get rid of my beard. And that's something I keep it trimmed. I, I'll grow it out during the winter times, you know, just, you know, cause it gets cold out here, but, um, this beard, my, my facial hair has been on my face ever since August 23rd. I've, I've never cut it off. I never shaved it off. And, um, that, I'm, not, and, I'm not trying to make light of what you're talking about, uh, but that's the sickest thing I've ever heard. It was it was fantastic, man. It God, was great. God, God has come to us and said that real men wear beards. Exactly. And to never shave my beard and never let anyone shave my beard either. Never let anyone get rid of my beard. And uh, I've had some great conversations with friends and, you know, just talking to people about why, 
why the beard kind of thing. Um, you know, I have my own, my own perspective, my own viewpoint on that, but, um, you know, that was one of the things that was said. And then he told me that, you know, again, that chair is not for you. You're to sit over there. And as soon as I, again, my eyes are closed and everything. And as soon as he said, you're to sit over there, I kind of, I, I knew he was pointing behind me and I went to go turn my head to go look over there. And at that point, that brightness, that, that presence was gone. Uh, he came in and said what needed to say. I, I heard what I needed to hear and turned around. And it was at that moment. <laughs> and I remember, I remember laughing at this moment too, because out of nowhere, this nasty chair just kind of like fell out of the sky, basically. <laughs> um, and I like to tell, I, the way I described it in, in my video, uh, and mind you, that video of me, my mom taking me in the, in the emergency or the uh, CCU when I woke up was probably about 30 minutes after waking up from seven day coma. So, and that's something that kind of shocks my doctors as well too. You know, they've seen it, you know, they've watched it and everything like that. And how do you retain that much information, that much detail from being out for seven days like that, you know? Um, but it was at that moment that this, this nasty type of chair you would see on the abandoned on the side of the road it's holes and springs popping out you know looks like something somebody was giving away on craigslist is the way i explained it and that was my chair um i at that moment i kind of thought the, the the thought started coming through my head of why am i sitting over here why am i down here i'm sitting i'm supposed to sit here on the on this ground level facing facing my grandparents who are facing towards me. Um, and if I'm supposed to sit here, then what's that other chair for? And as I approached my chair, um, I went to go turn around to get ready to sit. And as soon as I turned around, that's when out of the back portion of my grandparents, again, their, their backs were to this open window, this open bay window, if you will. And uh, that's where I saw this just this bright orange glowing light uh, come with like uh, something that you would see like in a beautiful sunset. You go wherever you think you've seen the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen in your life, take it and multiply it a thousand times. And you might be a fraction closer to what I saw and instantly felt calm, instantly felt secure, instantly felt like everything was going to be okay. And from this light, out walks a figure. And that's when I first saw Jesus Christ for the first time. Um, he came out of this light. And as soon as he came out of this light, he immediately had, like, his arms and his hands were open to me. His palms were facing towards me. Um, if you can imagine, you know, someone saying, hey, come give me a hug kind of thing. And uh, when I saw that, it, I mean, it, it really, it really hit me hard because, again, I'd, I, to, leading up to the surgery, I had lost all faith. I, I quit praying for myself. Um, I would say my prayers for the kids at night when they would go to sleep and, you know, before they go to bed and whatnot. And still pray for family and everything like that, but I would, I lost hundred percent faith for myself. And, uh, I, 
I instantly felt that this was judgment. This is, this is my judgment day. Um, something happened. I knew I was supposed to be in surgery. Something happened and here's my judgment day. Now I'm about to be judged. Um, it was at that moment where, again, that light kind of went away. He was there, he presented himself. And the first thing he did was he walked up to the edge of the top step there and he just extended his arms out. And I know most people think, or based on what, you know, from what you hear, when you're supposed to kneel in front of Christ, um, you know, I don't kneel for nobody. I kneel for the cross kind of thing, you know? Um, at that moment, I didn't feel like I needed to kneel. I immediately walked up, stepped on that first step and just wrapped my arms around him. He wrapped his arms around me and I was able to hug Jesus Christ. And at that, at that point there, my head was basically his shoulder length or at his shoulder height. And, uh, I just laid my head on his shoulder and I can, I can feel his cloth, his robe. I can feel his, his body against mine. And, you know, the, the, the scent, the, the, the warmth, the, his heartbeat, you know, his, his chest against my chest kind of thing. And I felt that. And, uh, something that I'll never forget. I mean, to this day, I, to this day, I look at sunsets a, a completely different way. You know, it's, it's almost like, almost like a reminder. Um, we hugged and I remember just trying to, just trying to soak in that moment. I had my eyes closed. I was like, almost like a little kid, like a little kid seeing, seeing daddy come home from, uh, from work or, you know, from vacation or, you know, TDY, you know, I remember those days when my dad would come home, you know, after six, eight months of gone, you know, for TDY and just, you know, be able to hold him. And uh, it was kind of that type of moment. You know, I felt like a kid seeing my father and that's basically what it is. Um, after we had our interaction there, he, he pointed to my seat, you know, take your seat. And uh, <laughs> I want to go sit down in this, this, this ranky chair. And it was at that moment where I just sat. I looked up at each of my grandparents. They were all smiling back at me. Um, almost as if they, this was rehearsed. It was almost like they knew what to do. It was almost as if they knew to expect that moment and to expect me showing up there at that time. And uh, that's when he spoke and he just started talking to me. He told me a bunch of different things um, about my life. He told me uh, never, to, never to give up, never to, never to stop trusting, um, never to quit believing in him. One of the things he told me was to never take my, he referred, Joyce and I are not, we're not married. We're, we'll be together for 10 years in April, but um, he told me to never take my wife, Joyce, for granted. So in his eyes, she's my wife. And I think that's something that, you know, if you look at the Bible, there's just because there's a piece of paper doesn't mean that you, you know, you're married um, in God's eyes or in, in Jesus Christ's eyes, you know. I've always felt that she was, she was given to me. She was blessed to me kind of thing. And uh, that was kind of confirmed. That was confirmed at that moment. You know, he told me to uh, be there, take care of the kids, 
he told me how I was going to take care of the kids, how I was going to take care of my family. And uh, in that showing, that vision that I was that I was shown at the very beginning, when it was time for me to see myself working, it's time for me to see myself earning a paycheck at that point or earning a living. I was sitting in front of a computer and this whole this whole experience started off with me and like this VR experience coming out into a computer uh, area. And uh, everything that I was everything that I was doing to be able to enjoy my life now was because of my work that I do on the computer, um, which is why I say that, you know, I'm for me, it's a little bit different. I'm doing what I was shown to be doing right now as a graphic designer and then marketing and whatnot. Um, but I'm doing exactly what I was, what I was shown, what I'm supposed to be doing in, in my eyes, in my heart. And, uh, you know, he told me, don't, don't ever stop believing in him. He asked me several times, do you trust me? I said, yes, my Lord. Do you trust in me? Yes, my Lord. Do you trust me? Yes, my Lord. And three times he asked me and, uh, after everything that was said, everything that was done, you know, again, there's, there's things that I, that Joyce doesn't know about. There's things that my parents don't know about, um, that were said to me, shared to me. And, you know, maybe someday I'll share that with them or, you know, with my kids when they're old enough to, uh, understand and comprehend what I went through. But after what was said to me and what I needed to hear, is when he followed up with those three questions. Do you trust me? Do you believe in me? And do you trust me? And after that third time, I said, yes, my Lord. That's when I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was dropped back down to earth or anything like that. I was right back into the hospital bed. At that point, right after I said, yes, my Lord, to the third time, and I confirmed yes, I was instantly awake. And at that moment, they were pulling the breathing tubes out of my throat and I could feel it. <laughs> it was such a crazy feeling, but I could feel that those tubes coming out of the throat and everything and uh, freaking out. You know, I was fighting with the nurses. You know, I was, I think, uh, a little bit shocked that I was back alive again or back in the, the opera or the, uh, the, the hospital room there. Um, I didn't want to leave you know, from where I was. And, uh, I was just fighting with the nurses and, you know, that's just the shock of being woken up at that moment. And again, this is seven days later, uh, right around three, I think my, my medical records is at three thirty-seven is when I, when I took that first gas of the bear. Um, and that's, that's another thing that really plays a lot into this too, is the seven and threes, those numbers. Um, but yeah, it was just fighting with the nurses. And I remember looking at the nurse to my left and she was trying to get me to calm down. And I was just fighting with her. And that was at that moment when I looked at her face, made direct eye contact with her and her face changed right in front of my eyes. Her face changed and it was back. It was the face of Jesus Christ. Do you trust me? Yes, my Lord. That's when he said, then quit, stop, quit fighting. And as soon as I, as soon as I said yes, and as soon as I agreed to that, everything just kind of 
opened up for me. I was able to take a nice deep breath. I was able to kind of calm down. I was able to kind of realize that I'm, I'm back awake in the hospital room again. And, you know, and at that point I had asked the nurse again, you know, to my left and, you know, again, Jesus Christ appeared in her face. And that was, that was, that was a, a wild thing. Cause I saw that. And, uh, now at this point, I know I'm alive, you know, I'm, I know I'm back awake again. And I saw that. And that was one of those weirdest things, but I asked her if I could touch her face. And <laughs> I remember, I remember the nurse at the, at the foot of my bed started like, kind of like, Oh my God, what did he just say? Did he just ask if he could touch you, like touch you? And, uh, and I asked her again, I was like, do you mind if I touch your face? Or can I touch your face? You know, I just want to see if I'm alive. And she said, yes. So I took the, the back of my left hand and I just kind of brushed my hand across, across her cheek. And it was at that moment that I knew I was back. I was, I was, I was back home. I'm awake. Dude, and, uh, this nurse, <laughs> these nurses are probably like, they're in the break yeah. room going, what was wrong with that dude <laughs> it was crazy man it was awesome because uh, like shortly after that it was so hard for me to laugh but that was when i had my i, I had a, a good laugh at that moment and uh it hurt it hurt like hell to laugh but you know it was kind of nice when she was like did, did he just ask if he could touch you and uh you know it was just it was just perfect because uh i don't know like it, it, for me it was that i'm back i needed that that little confirmation that you know i'm back in you know i'm back with human in, in human life again and uh but yeah the following the following days there so that was august 31st when i woke up can i, can I ask you something uh, I, i'm enthralled by what you're saying and i uh -huh. this is amazing but <laughs> i i want to ask when you were in that room that you described did you feel like you had like did you feel like you had a choice did you feel like you could have gone a different direction or did you Not feel like yeah, not at all. I felt like this was, I felt like this was judgment. Like I said, I, at that moment, when I, when I realized what was going on, um, I was there to be judged for all my sins, all my wrongdoing. Um, this is the moment that I'm going to find out that, Hey, you're not, you're not welcome here in heaven. You know, you're going to go to hell. Um, you're welcome to see and experience and see your, your grandparents and see what you could have had. That's, that's what was going through my mind at that moment before Jesus Christ started speaking to me. After I sat down, um, like I said in my, in, in my video, in my explanation video, I, I ex tell everybody that at, all those good feelings went away. Um, and it's kind of like on, on Nemo, on Finding Nemo, where they're like, oh, they're following the light and you know, follow the light and everything. And all of a sudden, he, the, the angular fish lights up and he's like, oh, good feelings gone away. That's exactly what it felt like. Um, this is my moment to find out that I, I'm not good enough, basically, at that point, um, which turned out to be not the case. So yeah, I, I felt like I had no choice. I, I felt like I what had no... What Go kind ahead. of weight is that on you? I mean, I, I'm with Brian. Like, I think this is the first time we've just <laughs> listened, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for this long. Um, an amazing story, but what kind of, the thing that comes to my mind is what kind of weight as you practice your life, you know, we all live by certain rules and, you know, what, whatever those rules are, whether you believe in, in whether you're a Christian, uh, a Muslim, um, of Jewish faith, whatever that is, there's these rules, right? Mm -hmm. 
that we all try to live by and we try to, you know, to avoid a terrible judgment, right? Yes. If you've had firsthand experience and you believe in that firsthand experience, I, I have to imagine that the way you live your life, you have a weight on your shoulders a little bit more than the average Christian where, it, you know, what you've had happen to you, what you believe has happened to you has to just be like when you're making a life decision or a very simple decision, you have to feel like I would imagine that Jesus is standing behind you watching you and saying, Hey, you know, I've gotten a second chance for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm here for a purpose and I'm, and I need to, I need to live up to that. I mean, is that a, Am I getting, I mean, am I making a good point? So I mean, am I, am you I, are. I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, uh, you're correct in, in your, I guess the angle of coming about that, just cause you don't, you, you don't know. How do you, how do you do that? Um, and I'm going to say I a mean, couple of things. I think, I think most Christians, I mean, most people that believe in Christianity, whether mm-hmm. whatever sect it is, right. Mm-hmm. Believe they're being watched. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in some yeah, form that's... or another. Right. So, so, I got to imagine, I just, I mean, it's crazy to me, you know, the, the pressure, like I would, yeah. that's it. That's the word, right. Is pressure. It's, it's pressure. So I'm going to say a couple of things that, that is going to blow you, probably your mind and, a, and maybe a lot of other people's minds. Um, I don't, you guys experience deja vu and you kind of get that, that feeling of like, I've been here before. I, 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 for some reason, this is very comfortable to me or, or familiar to me. Um, I no longer believe in deja vu. Like that, for me, that's a confirmation that I'm on, I'm on the right path of where I need to be at. Mind you, I was shown my life. I was never shown my death. I was never shown my, my ending date. I was never shown uh, the day they put me in the ground. I don't know how old I'm going to be when I'm dead kind of thing. I, I was never, I was never shown that. I was just shown me living my life and, and, and kind of what I'm supposed to be doing. So for me, when I get those moments of deja vu, it's almost as a confirmation of I'm on the right path. I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. The second thing, and probably the thing that's going to, and maybe China, I don't, I don't want to change anybody's opinion or, you know, this is, this is my, my, my perspective. This is my viewpoint on this, my feelings on this, but I don't consider myself to be Christian anymore. I don't consider oh, wow. myself. Yeah. I don't consider myself to be affiliated with any type of religion anymore. Um, it's, religion we're always told god sees everything god's watching you every moment of of your life you know don't do that don't do this don't do that because you know you can go to hell and uh yeah there is a sense of of fear god which is what you know a god-fearing people god-fearing christians and whatnot i don't fear god anymore i i i tell everybody you know i i I embrace him after experiencing that moment and experiencing that that voice and feeling that power and that, that brightness and just that everything there. I cannot wait till the day where I get to experience that again. Um, I'm yes, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. And as much as I can. Um, and when that day comes and if that day ever comes again, where I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to kind of be in his presence. And yes, I say his, because that's, that's what I felt. Um, it wasn't that's that's another thing and that's a whole nother conversation as well too but you know people ask was god a woman and was he a man um i don't know he was it was dominating is all i can say 
And for me, as a simple human being, I can only reference that to a male, um, a father figure, basically. Oh, see, I was going to say the opposite. If, if it was dominating, it had to be. <laughs> <laughs> you would think so. But uh, yeah, this was uh, this was definitely a a father figure kind of speaking to you. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah, you know yeah I, mean? I got so, you. I got you. Um, but yeah. So I, even today, I don't consider myself affiliated with any type of religion, um, Christianity, Catholicism or anything like that. I don't, I don't feel myself at all. I, so you don't go to like on Sundays, you don't go to church. No. And I haven't, I haven't gone to church in, in a while. And, um, do you read, the, last, do you read the Bible? So that's, uh, that's something I'll read the Bible kind of pertaining to, if situational basically. Um, and again, the Bible, that's, that's something that I don't know if I'm going to release it or not. But I was thinking about releasing the, if the full unedited version of what my, my parents recorded when I woke up, um, there's, there's point, points in there where I touch on the Bible. There's points there where I touch on the Pope for some reason, I mentioned the Pope and, and within 30 minutes of waking up from seven day coma, um, and talk about how the Pope is is a false idol. Where do I where did I get that information from? I, I don't just wake up from a coma and you know go through this type of experience. You know, there's there's things that were told to me, some things that I don't fully remember, but for some reason I recalled that wow. when I was telling that story. And one of those things was talking about the Pope and how you know just it's it's not it's not what it's meant. Not, it's not what it seems. Basically, at this point. Um, and so for me, and I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like I distance myself from religion and, you know, all you fools and you guys still read the Bible and fall, go to church. No, do what you got to do. You know, if, you know, every single one of you guys have to go through your own experience. Um, I went through my own experience and fortunately for me, my experience was enough to completely change my viewpoint on that. I feel like I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and God and, I have a visual confirmation. You hear people say all the time, um, well, I, I can't believe it unless I see it. Well, I saw it, felt it, touched it, hugged it, you know, heard it, everything. I mean, you, you talk about all the senses there. And uh, that's something that I can't ignore for me personally. So I feel like I have my own personal relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And I don't, I don't need, I don't know. It's, I don't want to sound brash or sound arrogant or anything like that, but I don't need somebody else telling me how I should believe in Jesus Christ or worship God. Um, Interesting. You know what I mean? Like I have my yeah. own, my own experience with that. So, so, I I, so I mean, could oh, you go ahead, Brian? I think what you're saying is that some people get wrapped up in the procedure of the church. Right? Very much so. Yeah. They, they will wear their best suit. They will go to church. They will follow all the rules of the church to a T, but in their personal life, they're a complete disaster. Yeah. They feel as if they're, they're using the, how can I say, they're using the tools of the church to elevate themselves as opposed to actually getting the result that those tools are supposed to provide. Yeah. That kind of, Cause I I've seen that too, where people are a lot of times the people are the most, religious it's using air quotes end up being the biggest disasters in their personal life yeah and it, they, it's it's almost a shield in a way yeah it's, it's it's a it's a personal or self-justification yeah i'm not i'm not a, an abusive husband i'm not an abusive father in like i go to church on sundays yeah you know well that doesn't mean nothing you know uh 
again, the, the church aspect of it, there's, there's some things there that I still haven't even told, you know, from that side of it either, but there's, there's a reason why I have the, the viewpoint that I do now, but the perspective that I do now. Um, and if, if you guys don't mind me sharing the last time I went to church, Joyce, my, my fiance, she's a, a she's Catholic. And, uh, the last time I went to church was a Catholic church and we walked in, Michaela was still in a stroller, you know, probably about one or two at the, probably about one years old at the time. And, uh, and to kind of give you, that's about six, almost six, seven years ago now that I've, since I've been to church, since I stepped foot in a church, well, I wouldn't say since I stepped foot in a church, but since I actually went to church and, uh, it was all about give us more. If you guys do not give us more money, you're going to show up here next Sunday and the doors are going to be closed and the parking lot's going to be empty and it's going to be yeah. your fault. You're not doing enough. You're not giving enough. And it was basically like give, 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 give to the point where I, I even looked over at Joyce and she was like, that, yeah, let's go. And we got up and we walked out of church for the first time ever in my life. I got up and walked out of church and it was just all about how we as the patrons of that church are not doing enough. You're not giving enough. You know, uh, we need to get the parking lot fixed and it, that's $16,000 and we need to get that done, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, it's just all about give, 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 give. The only time that I stepped foot in, into a church after that was uh, after this experience and everything it was about a month or two uh, after my surgery. I'd say about a month after my surgery, that was August 23rd. So it was sometime in September, and uh, my dad was trying to do a uh, some type of an event with one of the churches here in town, and we went to the service to go speak with the you know the pastor there or the the father or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know. It was it was a Christian church, so I don't I don't think they're called pastors or whatnot. But the uh, the man in charge basically, and it was kind of it was kind of weird because that. That service, I, I was outside for most of it, uh, you know, was talking to another gentleman out there, one of the guys that we were working with. And, um, you know, finally got to a point where, all right, let's go inside and catch, you know, so let's go, let's go wait inside until he's done giving a sermon or whatever. And when I walked inside, we sat down and that moment, again, I, I don't feel like, even to this day, I don't feel like coincidences occur. Um, I feel like timing is, is not on my time. Um, but things happen for a reason. So there's a reason for things that, that, that time for me, at least in my situation, uh, that these little instances, you know, occur because it's already planned, planned out, thought out. But when I went to go inside this church and went to go sit down, as soon as I sat down, he started talking about trust and about how you're not supposed to lose trust in God. Please don't lose trust in faith. You know, don't lose trust in your faith. Don't lose trust in God and Jesus Christ. And this was everything that was just, this was just told to me. You know, there was no, there was no talking of my sins. There was no talking about my wrongdoings when I was there with Jesus Christ. There was no talking about the negatives in my life. It was trust. Just trust me. Believe in me. Don't, don't give up on me, please. You know, and that was that's what the sermon was about. And that was that message about and it was the last last 15, 20 minutes of the service there. But it hit me so hard, man. I just started bawling like a little kid right there in church because that 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 message at that moment for some you know, I needed to hear it. And again, it was like a confirmation. 
And, uh, you know, so it's, like I said, it's, it's one of the reasons why I changed my whole viewpoint on religion, my whole viewpoint right. on, on that, as you know, that aspect of it. So, um, but kind of getting back into, in, into everything there, you know, I had asked in that video, I asked my mom, you know, I don't know how I'm supposed to, I don't know how I'm supposed to do what, what I was, what I was shown. I don't know how I'm supposed to live up to that expectation. And my mom says in the video, you know, God provides, God will provide Mike. And he did, you know, my, my, my whole career, if you want to call it, you know, my whole life's living right now is, is done on the computer. Um, whether it's, it's making patches, coins, you know, uh, logos, videos. I mean, you talk about my YouTube channel and everything like that, everything I do, to earn a bit of income is done on the computer. Well, let's talk, just, let's talk about that. So you went yeah. through this, you went through this amazing um, spiritual transition. Mm -hmm. You went through a, a treacherous physical transition. And then you come out of this with a whole new outlook on life, a whole new outlook on spiritual well-being. And you decide to start a company. <laughs> you know, I mean, is that part of, I mean, Talk us through that. So, so you, so you, you start Battleborn Designs, right? Yeah. So coming out of the, uh, coming out of the hospital, here's some, like I was talking about the weight loss earlier. Here's some interesting little tidbits. I came out of the hospital. So I woke up August 31st, between August 31st and September 8th, I had to learn how to walk all over again. For some reason, I could not stand for more than 10 seconds. I could not walk more than uh, about, I want to say about a foot and a half. I couldn't take more than uh, like two feet of, of steps. You know, I couldn't walk. I had to learn how to walk all over again. Um, I had to learn, of course, how to learn how to eat all over again because they, the surgery and, you know, and quotes, if you want to call it, was a success. They were able to remove the stomach. Um, so I had to learn how to do all that. So I had to learn how to live all over again. Within that first 30 days of coming out of the hospital, I lost a hundred pounds, like, crazy. I mean, like, and again, I joke about it in my videos where I'd sit down and get up and I'd leave about 25 pounds of fat behind me. Like that's how quickly it fell so, off. So let me ask you something though. When they do bari bariatric surgery, I know they do the internal stuff. Do they cut out any fat skin um, or anything? No, I mean, it depends on like, the only thing I think they do while they're in there is they'll correct any type of, I think it's called a hiatal hernia. Uh huh. Um, that's kind of the things that they'll correct, but yeah, they're not doing any type of liposuction. So you're not, not getting, yeah, okay, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, asking. Like, yeah, exactly. So they, so they go in and take out your stomach, which probably weighs, you know, however 10, much, yeah, ten pounds or what? I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't know anatomy that well, but but there's nothing else. They're not in there yeah. like, like yeah, you're taking not, you're out not big, getting a yeah, you're not getting a stomach your, tuck or nothing. Yeah, yeah. okay. So yeah, so, so you still have the weight. You're you come that, out and you're. 10 pounds lighter. Yeah, basically at that point right there. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, and again, uh, my doctors jokingly and of course in a friendly manner called me a freak of nature. Uh, you, you see me, Ben. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't think you would ever know it if I if no, 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 surgery no. The, had I told you, you know? <laughs> no, I would have never um, guessed. Um, for the listeners, <laughs> Michael is a super fit dude. I mean, he <laughs> super trim you know, muscular guy with a beard. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, you would never know. No, had you not, had, had you not sat down with me that day and showed me that video, I, I would have never guessed. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you see people and again, it's, it goes back to that whole, I'm, I'm on the, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 
Right, but, right. Um, um, there's there's a plan for me. There's a path for me. There's there's uh, there's my life is already thought out from that moment forward. Everything is already thought out, and uh, you know there's there's some issues that I deal with. You know, just from the surgery itself. Like I I do I, to this day I deal with neurological issues. Um, you know, that come from the complications of the surgery and whatnot, but, you know, it's just more of a reason to, to live my life, uh, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So, but kind of going back to it. Yeah. So 30 days, I dropped a hundred pounds. Wow. Um, within my first year, I was down 200 pounds on my, on my anniversary day from my one year anniversary day from my, from the surgery, I was down, uh, 205 pounds. Um, I've that's lost two. That's incredible. I wouldn't yeah. have even thought that was possible. Yeah, it's, I mean, you talk about a, a rapid transition, almost like a, the only way I can, the only way I can comprehend it uh, in my simple human being mind is this is, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm meant to be. This is, this is what I'm meant to do. Um, I'm in a, I wear a size 32 skinny jeans. Um, I'm in a large well, shirt, you know, number one, number one, you're in the wrong for wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> hey, hey, for, for the pants that I used to wear, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rock these skinny jeans as much dude, as I can, man. Dude, it's a 32 different. from where you're at is probably like one leg. Like I mean it used dude, to be yeah. a, a 32 on each leg. I was I was a 76 inch waist down to a 32 now. Um Jeez. I went from a 8X 8XL shirt down to a large and uh I mean even I even I even got uh, an inch taller. I was 5'11 at the time of surgery. I'm six foot tall now. So I think a lot of that weight pulling, slumping forward kind of thing kind of helped straighten me back up and whatnot. Um, kind of the thing that kind of sucks, I went from a 13 boot down to a 12. <laughs> uh, oh, know, a lot, I bet a lot. that weight though was pushing out. <laughs> oh your man, there's you talk about like an instant relief, release of like just pressure and pain. On yeah. the back, on the, I had, I had plantar, uh, was it plantar fasciitis on the feet? Yeah, I've had that, um, yeah. And that's, I've never dealt with that since. Um, diab I mean, like I said, at the time of surgery, I was borderline diabetic. I'm, I'm now kind of like one of the, the best patients that my doctor has as far as my blood levels go. Um, CPAP, the sleep apnea went from a 197 down to a 44 uh, within that first month. And I was off the machine to a zero, uh, zero episodes an hour uh, within two months. So within two months of coming out of surgery, I was able to pack my, my breathing machine away and put it in the closet. Um, I haven't used it since. Um, you talk about, you talk about a, a complete 180 transition on your life for yeah. the better. And that's exactly what I went through. I'm, I'm that living walking example of that. So, and again, I try to tell everybody too, just because I went through this, because I had the success that I had, doesn't mean that you're going to have it as well, but I'll do the best that I can to kind of share those things with you. And one of those factors that I attribute these, the weight loss success to is protein. And that's something that you'll hear me talk about in my videos quite a bit is protein, protein, protein. And that protein intake, man, is that's what I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll for an entire year after when I was able to start drinking again, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was able to start drinking protein shakes again on a regular, um, cause I, I had to, I had to start off with broth, just drinking right. beef broth, chicken broth, kind of thing, vegetable broth. Um, at one point I was able to start adding my protein powder to my broth to kind of kick that up. 
Uh, they wanted me to be about 90 grams of protein uh, per day for that. I was about 190 to 225 grams of protein intake um, towards the end of that, at, at that first year. Um, for some reason, I, you know, nobody told me to do that. Nobody uh, said, hey, you know, protein is, is it's your, your little key to success. It was just something that I felt like I needed to do and something that I did. And, and you know, I had, the, I had the results that I have. Uh, and when you talk about skin, loose skin and, you know, stuff like that, it's uh, kind of everything went back, you know, the elasticity portion came in and I, and I, I, like I said, I attribute that a lot to the protein. Um, and of course, you know, doctor always got to throw in there, you know, it's genes and genetics as well too and kind of thing. But um, yeah, so I mean, a total of 265 pounds gone. Um, I think I'm now at a total of 275, uh, 275 pounds gone now. Um, and I'm only, like I said, uh, August 31st yesterday, or yeah, yesterday would have been three years since I woke up. Um, you know, so, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, I, every moment that I have, and of course with my, my symptoms that I have now on the neurological side of it, um, I, every moment of my life is a blessing. I bet. Every, yeah. every, every moment there. So like I said, every opportunity that I have to be able to do, help somebody out or um, share my knowledge or share my skills or even just share my, my testimony. Um, I've had, I've had people email me on YouTube saying, Hey man, I was, I was about to commit suicide. And for some reason, I don't know why your video came across my YouTube, my, my YouTube that I was, I was watching that evening, whatever. And I came across your video and that changed my life. That 13 to 15 minutes there changed my life. And I just want to let you know, I wanted to reach out to you and let you know. And, and, and I get those stories, you know, not, not being that close to suicide, but about that, just hearing that message, changing yeah. somebody's life for the better, you know? Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, it led me to kind of follow what I was shown. And again, I, I, I told my mom, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow through and, and I don't know how I'm supposed to live up to these expectations, but um, it just, it just did. It happened. Well, plug, um, plug, plug your company a little bit. I know. Yeah, so, I, I mean, we're talking about your, your, <laughs> your, your, uh, you know, your, your journey, but you know, plug your, we want you to plug your company a little bit. Talk about yeah. what Battleborn Designs does. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and your, you know, throw in your YouTube channel where they can find you. Yeah, definitely. So like Battleborn Designs, like I said, was created. I like to, I like to say it was created on a necessity and that was basically a way to, give companies or even the everyday man out there who just wants to turn this drawing or this dream or whatever it is into a creation um, to be able to give them that, that avenue to be able to do that. And that's exactly what Battlemore Designs does. You know, your vision is our mission. And, uh, you know, we like to, I like to make those dreams come true, you know, to be able to have somebody say, Hey, Michael, here's a sketch drawing on a, on a napkin of an idea that I have, can you turn it into something and be able to take that idea from a napkin drawing to be able to hold a product or that being to hold that, that design that, you know, that product in your hand, you know, it's for me is a very satisfying and gratifying feeling. Um, like I said, we do everything from logo design, uh, patches, vector artwork. You know, if you want to take a drawing of, you know, I'm part of a several for a couple of foreigner groups here in town. Um, and I've taken my foreigner and drawn it out and, you know, turned it into patches and stickers and whatnot. Um, you know, you see on Instagram or your social media, you know, 
people taking these these almost like the cartoon drawings of their vehicles kind of thing. We do stuff like that um, to designing product for, uh, you know, for to be used in, in aviation life support equipment as well, too. Um, I like to wow. I, I like to attribute a lot of my success and a lot of my um, opportunity to a company called Pro Flight Gear and uh, which is actually owned by my uncle. And uh, they do aviation life support equipment, and they're the one, you know, for the Alpha helmet and the HGU 55 helmet they, that you have there, Ben. Um, but they they produce equipment for border patrol, military, uh, air medevac, and stuff like that as well. You know, so there, there's a whole different realm of stuff there that that really got me started, really got me kickstarted into this, to allow me to want to open up my own little side business, uh, which came out to be Battleborn Design. So. Uh, launching here probably by uh, by Friday. So my birthday is September 3rd, so I'm trying to get it out then. I'm going to be 39 years Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm going to be 39 years old. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm going to have uh, hopefully have my website launched by then, which is going to be battlebornedesigns.us. Um, that's where my website you can find there. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Facebook at Battleborn Designs, and you can find my YouTube channel. Um, you can just go to youtube.com forward slash c forward slash this joyful life lv uh you can find that there and again like i said that channel has switched from the life after dsg channel uh aspect to it just more living life in general um you see my my travels you see my time with my family um kind of just getting away from telling you what i did to lose 100 pounds in a year or telling you what i you know did to lose 100 pounds in 30 days or talking about uh the effects of surgery and whatnot and everything but kind of getting out of that just to living this joyful life that I live right now. Um, and you can find that all in there as well, too. You can find it on the website. Once you go on there again, battlebornedesigns.us. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was, it's something that I was meant to be doing this. I'm, I was, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm on the right path that I'm, I was shown to be on. And that's where I'm at today. That's, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's, you, like Ben said, I, normally we have more of a conversation, but I mean, I, I was just completely enthralled by the story <laughs> and yeah. I didn't feel like it was appropriate to, to interrupt when you're describing meeting Jesus Christ. So I figured he oh. should take precedent over my uh, silly little thoughts, whatever I was <laughs> with, but no, that's, that's absolutely incredible. I know we've kind of, we've run a little bit long, um, I know we could probably talk to you for another hour or two. Oh, yeah. I, I know we, we talked about it. I wanted to talk about your business and everything else, but yeah. um, we will have to have you back for a, a second, second go around because I know you have so much more to say. You're, you're an awesome guest, but I want to be respectful of your time. Um, oh, no worries, man. Like so I said, I, you guys are more than welcome to come back and yeah. you know, this is a great experience here. So no, you're, you're welcome back anytime. Um, I thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing all that. I no problem. We could make this a, a three hour episode easily. Um, but we will um, we will link up all of your social media, all your websites, uh, in our social media. So anyone out there mm -hmm. that's, that's driving, um, go to nothingo.com. We'll we'll have it up there so you can you can find Michael. Um, ben always likes to ask, and I'm going to jump in. Uh, I'm going to take his thunder on this episode. But before <laughs> we close out, Ben always asks, uh, you know, if if you know the theme of the show is nothing owed. It's it's going from that that zero to one, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you could give that advice to our listeners, you know, what would be, what would be one thing you could suggest or tell people just 
what's that one thing they can do to, to get started? It's, it is a scary feeling. I understand that it is a, uh, a nerve wracking. The unknown is, is enough to cause fear in everybody's heart, but just taking that first step, trust in yourself, trust in your process and just trust in general. And that's the biggest thing. Um, I didn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not rich. I don't have millions of dollars to, you know, if, if I lose money on this, it's okay. Kind of thing. Um, but yeah, just taking that first step and just doing it. And that was basically the hard, you know, the hardest thing for me to do, um, getting approached by a company like pro flight gear to say, Hey, we'd like you to make a, something as simple as a logo, you know? Okay. Well, I'm going to learn as I go, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to do it. And if I, if I know that I can't do it, I'm going to be hundred percent with you and let you know that I can't do it, you know, cause I don't like to promise and, you know, that I can deliver when I know I can't. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the, the biggest thing there is just trust in the process, trust in your, in your heart, trust in your mind, trust in your, in your judgment. And if you feel that it's the right choice for you, then do it. And my first company was frontline virtual solutions. It started out great. I almost had a, a, a production show on the strip here in Las Vegas, and it took a it took a dive bomb and crashed and burned right in front of my eyes. But you know, you pick yourself up and you start out, you know, start over yeah. again, and kind of thing. You know, um, for me, it was one of those things where either either you do something else that is going to benefit you, or you go back to where you were. And I, there was no way I was going to go back to the kitchen. You know, so uh, sixteen years of being in a kitchen, and, and I like to call it slaving away back there behind the lines, but um, there was no way I was going to go back to that kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, taking that first, that first step, uh, when I was 32, I went to school, I went to go get my bachelor's degree at 32. Uh, that's when I got my, my business and my science bachelor's in business of science or science of business with a concentration in marketing. Um, and it all started from there. It's kind of thing. So, but yeah, take that first step, take that, you know, don't be afraid of that. And that's exactly where I'm, I'm able to be at where I'm at right now. Granted, you have a little bit, I have a little bit of a, a personal coach there to say, Hey, yeah, go, go this way and don't <laughs> go that way. Uh, but you know, you still have to take that step. I still have to make that commitment to that. And I'm glad I did. Um, you know, there's, there's things that I'm doing today that I would have never thought in a million dream, a million years that I would ever be able to do it. And that's, you know, I'm doing things like that today. So, uh, and for companies and, and for, you know, television shows and stuff like that you know so um but yeah just taking that first step you know don't be afraid of the unknown the unknown is a fantastic fantastic area um and it's an, it's just nothing but a vast opportunity uh, a vast expanse of opportunity there for you That's but awesome. yeah yeah so i mean uh for the listeners and everything you guys if you guys have questions i know probably you know, a lot of y'all gonna have questions and everything like that feel free to hit me up you know i'm, I'm an open book um, as you guys can tell, I like to talk and I don't have no problem talking and, you know, so I'm here. <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Um, I want to thank you again. It's been incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Um, for anyone out there, please check out, please check out Michael, um, check out our website, check out all of his, uh, his social media if you need some graphic design work, you need some logos, need some coins, please check him out. Uh, he does awesome work. I was, he was showing us uh, some of the things he was working on earlier. So please check him out. Give him your business. Definitely deserves it. Battleborn Designs. Um, so with that, I will sign off for the night. Thank you all for listening. I know you think, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm, I know I did. 
So uh, for Ben, for Michael, this is uh, Brian signing off for the uh, Nothing Oak podcast, and we will uh, talk to you guys soon. Bye, Thank you, guys.